Again, welcome again, Bridge, and everyone who is with us uh, in the Piedmont Triad around North Carolina, the U.S., and the world. We welcome you again to this wonderful service, our first uh, service, our corporate service together. We, we experience Christ as his body, and uh, we're thankful for our online uh, people uh, our brethren, God's people, we're thankful to share our time together. like you to uh, join with me in taking part in the word of God in John, the gospel of John. We'll be reading verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 25 to 31, beginning a series for this year um, as we kick off not only the new year, but uh, we start our 21 days of fasting and with the theme, The Way to Joy. And that will also be the title of today's message, The Way to Joy. This is a series we'll be preaching for the next several weeks uh, on the topic of joy in our, in our New Year's theme, The Way to Joy. Here's the word of God. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. May God add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. Again, I'd like to speak on the topic, the way to joy, the way to joy. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you again for your people and the opportunity to stand before your holy congregation across, scattered across the Piedmont Triad and beyond around the world. And I ask, Father, that you would feed them your bread of life, the word of God. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Take us down this journey, this path, this way that we might have joy again. Those that Satan has robbed of joy and taken it from them. Father, today let it be recovered and our joy would be complete in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In this new year, I feel led to emphasize the joy of the Lord. 
When I'm speaking of joy, I'm referring to the gladness of being his people and knowing him. Joy is this internal gladness and celebration of God as our everything. I think of Darlene Check's song years ago from Hillsong, everything, everything, Lord, you are my everything. And our joy flows from the reality that God is that. He is our everything. This state of being makes you want to dance even when there's no jam. It makes you want to sing when there's no music. It makes you thankful even among sadness. It makes you strong even when you've been weakened. Throughout the Bible, the word makes clear that God's kingdom is characterized by joy. The Bible says for his kingdom is not in what we eat or what we drink, but it's in righteousness and it is in his peace and it is joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. As I've come up in Christ, I've been in services where there is great rejoicing. There's singing, there's dancing, and I'm not talking about choreographed stuff. I'm talking about people are just spontaneously, extemporaneously just praising God. Even the seniors, our mothers when we were young, they would get in the aisle and dance before the Lord. Kids would dance in his presence. Choirs would sing with joy. Husbands and wives, students and kids, they would rejoice in God's presence. And not only would I see this in, in our services, but I would also see it in our homes. Uh, you wake up to people singing to the Lord and talking about God and crying out to him in the morning. I would watch sometimes my granddaddy cooking and granddaddy would cook and sing and not only that, he would, he would cook more than enough for just his own family but they would share it with other people. He, he cooked uh, in anticipation that there would be other people who would come to the house for a feast because throughout God's word, that's what it was like among God's people, singing and dancing, feasts and celebrations. There was always a reason to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise because we are thankful to him who made us joyful. In fact, that psalm would say, make a loud shout, a joyful noise, we would say, to the Lord, to the God of our salvation let me ask a question why do you think people were so happy so joyful do you think it's that they didn't have problems no it's not that they didn't have problems but uh, and it's not as if things were all going their way but what we see in God's word is that their joy was rooted in the Lord and in the goodness of his reign over their lives. Look with me for a second at First Chronicles chapter 16. I want to read verses 31 to 34 and read. look at what David says about the reign of God in the lives of his people. He said, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. 
Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And so David gives us a picture that all and everything that's under the reign of God, the heavens, the earth, all of nature and creation should rejoice. Even when God comes to judge, there should be joy because God does everything out of his goodness. That's where our joy comes from. Uh, the source of our joy is the reign of a good God over our lives. Yes, because the Lord is good at all times, his goodness sustains us in good times and in bad times. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. So no matter what's going on, if we can just be in God's presence, not in a room, not in a place, not even in a service, but if we can recognize that the Lord is with us, then there can be joy found for us. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we are weakened and when all around us has given way, we can still have joy because God's joy gives us strength to endure. Yes, joy is a gift from God. And it's also a grace to be kept. Because we've got to recognize that joy can be taken from us. Joy can be robbed from us. We can lose it. It can be blocked from our lives. David teaches us in Psalm 51 verse 12 that God's people need God to restore joy. He says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I've lost it. It's gone. But God, you, you, through you, I can recover it. Restore it to me. See, the enemy robs us of joy through our sin and through our rebellion. We lose it. Sickness and suffering can bear us down and cause us to lose sight of the goodness of God. Mourning and despair hardship and trouble Satan loves to try to use these to rob us of our joy let's be honest 2020 for many people it ate us for lunch and spit us out many had circumstances that caused a leak in their heart and soul and what leaked out was our joy but I've come to tell you, God's people cannot live without God's joy. We can't let the devil steal our joy. There is a calling upon all God's people to pray to God. Restore to me, God, the joy of your salvation. Let me sing before you. Let me dance. Let me pick something up and wave to you. Let me rejoice in you at all times, even in mourning, even in hardship, even in famine, even in good times. God, oh, I need your joy people of God today I want to remind you in this word 
that God desires us to have his joy. And so there is a path to joy. And in this time of fasting, we want to look at how do we find joy again? How do we find this way of joy? And so today I want us to look uh, and learn from John the Baptist in his journey to joy. We look at our passage in John chapter 3. We are alerted that there is a shift in John's ministry. For a time, John was the most well-known prophet of his day. People uh, went to him in droves to hear him preach the word. They wanted to be near him. They were baptized by him. Uh, that when, when through his ministry, they felt closer to the Lord. And then something happened. Not a tragedy, not a bad thing, but something that altered the trajectory of his remaining time on earth, the last few years, if you will. And what that was, was the coming of Jesus. He, Jesus was baptized by John. John discerned of him that he was the Lamb of God. He told his people, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And now here John is being told that Jesus' ministry is now outpacing John's ministry. I, ironically, it was a concern to others around John, but it was not a concern of John. John was content in who he was and who he was not. If you look back at John chapter 1 verse 8, he, the scripture says of him, he is not the light. No, John was not the light. John 1 and 20, he is not the Christ. John 1 and 21, John says, when they said, who are you? Are you Elijah? He says, I'm not Elijah or the prophet that you are waiting for in scripture. No, he says in John chapter 1 verse 23, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. In John 1 and 27, he says, in regards to Jesus, I'm not even worthy to unstrap the lace or the latch on his sandals. Hmm. Can I tell you, if we are going to know joy again, we are going to have to learn content. Contentment starts with the recognition of God's sovereign role in our lives. See, joy comes through contentment of identity. 
that God establishes who we are and his sovereign will determines the way we go and even though there are ebbs and flows and ups and downs, mountains and valleys, our contentment is not set by the circumstances, it is settled in God and his sovereignty. You are who you are because of God. And therefore, you are not moved, and we cannot be moved by circumstances. We must be content in him. John, in fact, says here in verse 27, he says, listen, there is nobody who has anything except God gave it to you. So my joy can't be based on what I have or what you have. My joy has to be based just the fact that God loves me and God cares for me. He has chosen me and his will is good no matter what. When we are content, and more, even more further, when we have a contentment that brings joy, You've got to recognize the words you speak impact the dimension of your joy. Listen to his words in verse 28 of, of, of the Gospel of John where uh, he says, you yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ. I want, to, I want you to hear that. You know what I've been telling you. You know that there's no, there's no confusion here. You, you are trying to make me feel like, oh, I should be upset. But I want you to hear what I've been telling you. I'm not the Christ. I am not that light. I am the one who's crying in the wilderness. I am a voice in the wilderness. But I'm not him. And so do you know joy comes when we can speak about who we are and who we not who we are not and be content there joy comes when we can say it clearly and we help other people recognize I'm okay with who I am and I'm okay even with who I am not my role is just to be a voice to him and I want you to see the clarity obviously the prophecy both in Malachi and in Isaiah 40 that we have this prophecy that a voice of one calling in the wilderness who prepares the way for the Lord but I also want you to see another perspective of John says I'm just a voice God opened my mouth and one day God will shut it to God be the glory do you hear? I'm just the voice and right now I have a sound and thank God, but one day I will not have a sound. Thank God. He's worthy to be praised. He gave it to me. He takes it away in the words of Job. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm reminded when Job got sick and his wife said, you're sick, your life is horrible. You should just curse God and die. And Job said to his wife, he says, woman, you speak like you're crazy. We're talking about God here. He gives, he takes away. My circumstances may not be great, but he is good and he's to be trusted. And so I want to tell you, watch your words and be content in those words. Because joy comes when we can recognize, listen, 
God is not changed even though things around me changed. John says, I'm just a forerunner. John recognized that if he was to try to be what he was not, a problem would arise. There would be both disappointment and disillusionment. Can I ask you a question? Are you content in who God has called you to be? Are you content in your person? Regardless of what happens in circumstances, whether, you're, whether your income rises or your status rises or your reputation increases or maybe it takes a hit or maybe you've lost income or maybe you've even lost a job. No, are you content in the Lord and can you say God is good no matter what? Are you, are you content in your identity? As we, keep, as we move on in this text in John chapter 3, uh, we recognize something else, that joy doesn't only come through our contentment. Joy comes from holy introspection. Introspection. Right after John says uh, that I'm not the Christ, I've just been sent before him. Then he goes on to say in verse 29, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. I want you to recognize what John is doing. See, what he is doing is he is examining the source of his gladness. This examination is an introspective look at why am I happy or why are people disappointed? John says, I, 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 I'm not bothered. And, and why is that? It's because John recognizes through introspection I'm, this clarity comes. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. I, I, my joy is not so much in my position, but in my relationship. I am the friend of the bridegroom. Uh, it, it's, it, it's an interesting role. Uh, our concept of the best men is kind of connected to this, but it's, it's very distinct. The best men really, they have a few things. They've got to carry the ring and uh, they've got to give the, uh, maybe the bachelor party for the groom and, you know, some basic responsibilities. But the friend of the bridegroom, his role was different. He spoke to the bride on behalf of the bridegroom. The bridegroom didn't come to the bride. The friend of the bridegroom went to the bride to tell the bride things that he wanted her to know. He was the one who made sure that in their ceremony, he brought them together and made sure that everything in the ceremony worked well. There was not a problem. 
He was the one who, who, who troubleshooted everything. And so his job, the friend of the bridegroom, was to merely do this. Make sure that when you see the bridegroom and the bride, they are happy and they, are, they, have, they have what they desire. That is the purpose of the friend of the bridegroom. And John in this parable says, you know, this is why I've got joy because I recognize, listen, I'm not the bridegroom. What, the, what my role is in this world is not to own God's people, but it is to bring God's people to God. And when God is coming to his people, I step back and I let God be glorified because I take joy that he is the bridegroom. I take joy in that he is taking his bride and they are coming together. And so this is not about me, but this comes through introspection where I recognize, okay, what is my role? And, 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 and my joy and what really gives me joy. I've got to look at What's the source of my joy? I've got to think through what is making me happy. And the thing he says, what makes me happy is knowing that Jesus is glorified, knowing that God is exalted. Can I tell you, joy comes back when our joy is in Jesus. Too often, our joy runs because it's fleeting. It's not substantive. It's not based on the foundation that Christ is my God and my Savior. And so if we rejoice in anything less than him, oh, that joy is going to be fleeting. But John says, I recognize who I am. We often you'll hear a song uh, that was sung in some churches and it, it says, I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. And, and, and it's true, there should be joy in our hearts when we think about God's faithfulness towards us. However, the way to joy is not just through our own blessing, but through Jesus' exaltation. We truly get joy when we think about not merely what he's done for us, but who he is and that he is being glorified as the bridegroom, as the king, as the son of God. His voice makes us happy. Notice John has said, I'm just a voice in the wilderness. But he says, but his voice is different. His voice is not in the wilderness. His voice is the voice that everyone must hear. The Bible says there's coming a day where everyone will hear the voice of the Lord let me tell you that's where our joy comes that Christ is exalted does our joy come in seeing his joy remember the Bible tells us in the gospel of Luke that there is joy in heaven when one lost sinner, when a sinner comes back to God. Is our joy in his joy? When Christ is exalted, is our joy in him or is it only when, when his blessings meet our expectations? Can we rejoice with others? 
when, when it's not about us, but when it's about them, do we have to be in the limelight? Do we have to be on the stage? Oh my God. Does their joy take away from yours? We must have joy and we will have joy when we are merely living out of God's goodness. Not necessarily out of his blessings, but out of who he is. This is a key question, church, and this is the way to joy. Can you and will you be willing to have joy when it's only his? And, and there's no quote-unquote tangible benefit to you that, that you can intrinsically see initially. This is just about Christ. And part of the struggle in the church is that we've stopped rejoicing in Christ. It's got to be, what did Christ do? What did I feel? Or what is this saying to me? Or, no, 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 no. Rejoice in the Lord. Our God reigns. I may not even see any residual impact to me at this moment from his reign, but I rejoice in the fact that he is God and I do not allow my joy to be connected to merely my emotions. Thirdly, we learn from John the Baptist that joy, the way of joy comes through humility. Joy doesn't just come through contentment and introspection, but it comes through humility. And let me be clear here. I'm not talking about belittling or putting down yourself. I'm not talking about uh, having a poor self-esteem or, or low self-esteem or poor self-concept where, where I have this very scarred and, 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 and horrid image of myself. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's not humility. No, humility is knowing who we are in light of God and humbling ourselves because God is great. See, when you see God and you see yourself, then you humble yourself so that God alone can be given the glory. I wanted you to take notice of something. The Bible never calls God's people to say to the Lord, humble me, Lord, please humble me. No, 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 no. First of all, you don't want God to humble you. <laughs> no, God says, humble yourself. Because humbling yourself is a, is, is a message, God, I know who you are. So I humble myself. We're not humble because of self-esteem problems. No, we're humble because of what John recognizes. To see Christ for who he is, it is unavoidable. It is impossible for me to move away from the fact I've got to decrease. Because when I see who he is, there's no other, there's no other response. I've got to decrease. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. 
John's joy in the presence of Jesus is a complete joy because he recognizes this is the bridegroom. This is what we have all are here for. And so when I recognize this as the friend of the bridegroom, you know what? Now is the time for his vow. Now is the time for him to give the ring. Now is the time for him to take his bride. Nobody came to the wedding to see the groom. The groomsmen, the, the best man, the friend of the groom. They came to see the bride and the groom and to see them come together. And so for that to happen, after I do my thing, I've got to step out the way. How do we decrease? How do we decrease? How do we decrease that he might increase? I want to tell you, well, First, as Philippians chapter 2 tells us, we've got to make sure that we don't think more highly of ourselves than we should. Sometimes we have a higher view of ourselves. I should be doing this. Why am I not? And listen, there's, there's healthy ambition. God is not against ambition because remember, the, the desires that God wants for you, he gives to you. But when our ambition flows out of a selfish idolatry, then there's a problem. And so we've got to humble ourselves and not think of ourselves as more than we should. You know you're thinking of yourself as higher than you should when you think of other people as less than you and you as more. Or other people as not as important as you and you more important. No. Think of yourself as you should. I think we learned from John that we humble ourselves. He decreases by moving out of the way. By moving out of the way. The, the friend of the bridegroom must move out of the way so that the attention is only on the Lord taking his bride. Can I tell you too often God's people take attention on themselves and that's the fastest way to lose joy because you're going to fall flat on your face instead of humbling yourself you will be humbled no no the glory is not for us it's for God when you're doing something for God just do it and, and you know we, we want attention sometimes we want everybody to see us but can I tell you the joy that sustains is when we recognize this thing's not about me. So I've got to stop taking credit and start giving credit. Recognize that, that, that my joy is not merely in what I've done, but you know what? My joy is also in what others are doing and how others are progressing and how others are becoming more. And this has nothing to do, it takes nothing away from me. Even when it, it comes at my expense, my joy is that God is at work in you, that God is being glorified through you. And so maybe what I'm doing is not as important as it used to be, but thank God what he's doing in you I can decrease that God might increase his glory even through you if we're going to decrease you're going to have to talk to yourself and even talk to the devil and when I say that I'm saying you're going to have to rebuke 
rebuke the disappointment in God's will. Can I tell you, the Lord has taken me through places that I would not have gone on my own. And so I'm thankful that God didn't tell me in advance, oh, Trevor, this is also something that's going to happen as you're following me. I'm thankful that God just led me there because I, I would have been too scared to get there. And sometimes when you're following the Lord, you become disappointed. You had expectations. And you have to come to the place where you just say, I trust you, Lord. And I refuse to be disappointed when things that I hoped for don't come to fruition. I've refused to be disappointed when I thought this would last longer or this would go for, Lord, I trust you. I love what David says of God's faithfulness. He says, I once was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. But I'll tell you, David came close. David had to run because he was chased. David had to flee from Saul and flee from his son. But you know what? He still was able to say, God's been faithful. There are disappointments. But I rebuke the enemy who says, you ought to be mad at God. That's, you're going to lose your joy. I rebuke my flesh that says, why can't I be at this point right now? No, 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 no. God's going to help me. And then sometimes I just have to come to the conclusion, and, and this is difficult, that John came to that this is my time to decrease. No, no, this is not my time to decrease and then in a little bit, I'm going to, he's going to bring me back. No, no, do you know there, there, sometimes God just says, decrease. And what we learn in those places that, is that our joy is not connected to our status. We are just as loved by God in our humility as when God was exalting us. I learned a lesson when my teen years, I was in track and field and I wasn't bad, I wasn't great, but I had a, a higher, because my brother and sister were really, really great athletes and I was good, and I had ambitions of being great. And uh, I ran the 110 hurdles. I was the hurdles city champion. I also ran the 400 hurdles, and I ran the four by one, but I didn't run the anchor leg. Uh, and that was my hope, because, you know, the glory is in the guy who wins the whole relay. And I, I wanted that. And... Uh, I remember my coach sitting and like, Trevor, he is always going to be the anchor leg. And I'm like, man, I could do this. And it was causing a little tension. This was my friend and I loved the team, but my own desire for myself was coming in conflict with the best of the team. And I'll never forget... Um, Something happened to a sprinter, and then the coach says, Trevor, uh, I need you to run this race. I didn't train for that race. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that race. 
And he said, Trevor, we need you because if you run this race, we'll get points. And I was just thinking, well, I don't want to come in last. I don't want, it didn't matter what, he said, Trevor, it doesn't matter what you do in this race as long as you finish. And if you finish, our team will win. And I came to realize this is not about how I'm doing. This is about how is the team doing? And if the team wins, even if it comes at my loss, then I win. We decrease when we make God's agenda above our own. And that's what John the Baptist shows us. That joy comes ironically not necessarily in our victory, but in our humility, in our lowness. And it's a joy that the devil can't take because you humbled yourself in trusting God. And I want you to know today, this is the way to joy. Often we lost our joy through disappointment. We lost our joy through expectations that were not realistic or were not of God's sovereign pleasure. Sometimes people have whispered in our ears or, or, or just we've been in this circumstance for a long time. It wasn't until I came to this passage I realized something. When John says, I must decrease, that he might increase, do you realize these are the last words we hear of John until he's in prison and he's disappointed and he asks Jesus, he asks his disciples, go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we wait for another? And Jesus says, tell John, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are being raised and do not be disappointed. At the glory of God. Our joy is not in our accomplishments. Our joy is in the goodness of the Lord. And, be, and so we, we become introspective. Lord, look at my heart. Search my heart and know me so that there's nothing in me that steals joy, that, that can rob joy. Lord, help me to humble myself so that, God, you are on the pedestal and I'm not. Lord, help me to rejoice in the joy of others so that this, the world is not revolving around me, but rather I am in your hand and giving you glory and praise for what you are doing and what you're doing in others. Lord, cause our joy to mature and to go deep. This is the way of joy. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I lift up your people today. God, we are coming out of a, a, a tragic, a horrendous, a challenging year, and we are going into 2021 now, and Lord, I sense you telling us in the spirit we need your joy your joy will give us strength your joy will cause us to abound your joy will overtake us but the way to joy is not as the world tells us their happiness is circumstantial is circumstantial but, uh, but our joy is in you 
no matter what. And our hope is in your goodness and nothing else. Not what we've done, not in what you've given us, but simply you. Jesus, be the center of our joy. In your name we pray. Amen.